welcome to the ABCA's podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Brownlee. This episode is sponsored by Netting Pros. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting professionals specializes in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, BP screens, and ball carts. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting Professionals is an official partner of the ABCA and continues to provide quality products and services to many high school, college, and professional fields, facilities, and stadiums throughout the country. Netting Professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Contact them today at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Make sure to let CEO Will Miner know that the ABCA sent you. Now on to the podcast. On this week's ABCA podcast, we check in with Wake Forest Associate Head Coach Bill Salento. Coach Salento is in his 14th season with the Demon Deacons, working primarily with hitters and infielders. He has a great track record of developing players with 65 drafts and seven big leaguers. Wake Forest has had 19 hitters earn all ACC honors the last five seasons, including National Player of the Year and first-round pick Will Craig. Wake Forest is ranked in the top 50 nationally in home runs in six of the past seven seasons, also ranking among the nation's leaders in batting average, doubles, walks, slugging, and on-base percentage every season. The Deeks made the NCAA tournament in 2022 after posting the program's seventh 41 season. The 2022 team also broke school records for home runs, walks, RBIs, runs scored, runs per game, and slugging percentage. Coach Salento played collegially and coached at Siena. He also spent time coaching at New Orleans and Brown. Let's welcome Bill Salento to the podcast. All right, here's Bill Salento, uh, head co- associate head coach, 13th season at Wake, set 65 drafts, seven big leaguers, uh, but worked with Coach Walter at UNO and uh, came to Wake from Brown, but 9-0, and so uh, the Deeks are hot, and uh, one more weekend before you get into ACC play. So, Bill, thanks for jumping on. Well, it's a pleasure being here, and I, I appreciate you having me. Yeah, you're my de facto home team because you guys are close. I see you guys the most, so. Yeah, we appreciate it. It's good having you over, and it's you know, we get we get a chance to have some of the best teams in the country roll through, you know, the couch and, and uh, opportunity to meet with those guys. Yeah. You know, how do you balance your family in season and out of season? You got four daughters. You know, that's a lot. I couldn't even deal with two. You know, you've got four. How are you handling having a family? Uh, so they're 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 heavily intertwined into our program. Um, you know, if you ask my daughters, they. You know, they, they learn math by our players' numbers, right? What's what's Patrick Frick plus, you know, plus Stuart Fairchild? I mean, that's how they learned how to add to nine. So um, they're heavily involved. They're over here. They don't miss a game. Um, you know, we get free tickets, and my wife bought two tables outside. You know, she felt like she needed uh, even nicer seating than the, the free tickets that we get. So um, the balance is a challenge. Um, you know, my wife, uh, you know, behind every good coach is, is, is a great wife, and 
and my wife is is, is absolutely that. Um, we have four active daughters. Um, you know, to give you an example, my, my one daughter was in a soccer tournament in Charlotte on Saturday. My other daughter was in a volleyball tournament in Greensboro, and uh, and, and and we had a game here. And you know, somehow my wife managed to get all the all the people to the right places, and and then still be here for the game. So. Um, it's a little you know, it's bit a of a throwback approach. I remember traveling, you know, my brother and I played all kinds of sports. I remember traveling way more with, with other people's families than I did with my own family to, to events. Yeah, for sure. And that's, and that's what we got to rely on. Um, we're very fortunate that there, there's a lot of people in this area that have been very helpful for us. Um, you know, so it's, um, it's been, it's been, it's been a challenge, but it's something we tackle daily. You know, what about playing at Siena, coaching at UNO, coaching at Browns prepared you to, to be at Wake? Yeah, I think, I, you know, I've had a unique perspective. Um, you know, at Siena, it's a, you don't get some of the luxuries we have at a place like Wake Forest. Um, you know, we're fundraising to, to kind of go on our spring trips, and, and each kid has responsibility to do that. Um, I was also fortunate to play there, and I played for a guy who's been in for 50-plus years um, at the same school, you know, dug in. Um, in, in an era where people jump around from school to school to school, you know, Coach Rossi has 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 been there for, you know, since since baseball was invented, I feel like. And, uh, you know, he's someone that has been a, a tremendous mentor for me at every step along the way. Um, you know, he's someone that I run every life decision and, and every baseball idea by, um, you know, he's adapted as the game adapted. And, you know, his career, he took he took Sienna from a division three team to a division one team. And, you know, I've, I've gone from all ends of Division One, from from Siena to the University of New Orleans, where where it's high octane baseball, where your midweek games are are schools like Ole Miss, Mississippi State, LSU, Tulane. Um, you know, to Brown, where where you have an academic kid, you have a a pretty cerebral kid, but you have a really driven kid. Um, and to hear Wake Forest, and you know, to to be here for as long as I have, um, you know, 13 plus years at this point. Um, you know, I think uh, I, I think I have a perspective that's unique in, in the fact that I've seen all ends of the game. That's enjoyable, isn't it, with high academic kids? Because you know they're going to come in fairly motivated. They're, they're very motivated. Um, you know, I, I think the discipline that comes with a with an academic kid, you know, translates to all parts of life. Um, you know, now academic kids have their challenges, right? They they tend to be very cerebral, um, but. But again, I think if you can if you can provide a good structure for them, um, they can thrive in this environment. And you know, if I'm being honest, I mean it's it's where I want to be. It's where I want to coach. You know, I want to coach kids that that not only want to be excellent on the field, they want to be excellent in the classroom. They want to be great citizens, and it's something we we require of our kids uh, on a daily basis. How do you dummy it down for for a kid that maybe is is getting a uh, paralysis by analysis? Yeah, I, I mean, I think you got to be very thoughtful with the information you do share. I mean, we're very fortunate here. We have several systems and and a great analytics team, and you got you got to be very thoughtful with who and what you share with um, with the player. And and, and and timeliness is is very important to that. Um, I think that's one of the things that that I've learned along the way. Um, you know, you can have the best information if you're not timely with the delivery. It's it, it's it's useless, and it actually can be be detrimental to the player. So I think the timeliness of it is the key. Um, you know, I think as a young coach, you tend to want to do it when they struggle the most, right? You want to deliver the information that's going to get them out of it. And I think oftentimes it, it actually slows that curve down. I mean, 
I can just me as a player, me as a coach, me as a parent, um, I've learned my my best lessons through failure. Um, and I think players are that too. Um, and, and I think if the player owns his ship and, and can get to the other side of it through the failure, um, I think you, you get a better product in the end. And, and I think when you try and flood them in with information in that inopportune time, it, it can slow that curve. Hey, how'd you get north? You're from Maryland. How did you, most kids don't go north. They, they either stay around or they go south. How'd you get north? Well, Coach Rossi, you know, he's, he's just an, he, he's an unbelievable recruiter. No, um, you know, I had the opportunity to go two or three places, um, you know, had an opportunity to go right in my backyard. Um, I, I think very early on, um, I wanted to be, be a little bit different. Um, and I think I got lucky, you know, I, 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 I visited a bunch of schools and I, I committed somewhere else basically in my mind, uh, for all the wrong reasons. I committed there. I walked around campus. I'm, I'll leave this school nameless, um, but I, I'm pretty sure I, I thought there was about a nine to one girl to guy ratio, right? So I couldn't tell you what the baseball field looked like. I mean, I, that's all I cared about. And, and fortunately, I think they had some turmoil in their coaching staff. And I kind of sat back and looked at it and, and, and made a decision to go to Siena, um, mainly because, you know, I, I, wanted, I wanted to be different. I, I was a little bit agitated with how the recruiting process went for me. And, and luckily, it ended up being the best decision I ever made in my life. Plus, Albany is a good place. I coached there one summer. So, I mean, Albany is a good town. For about two months a year. Two months a year. <laughs> I was there in the summertime. So. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. No, I, I love that. I mean, I still have roots up there. I still visit every time I can. But, but man, it's, um, it's a tough baseball environment. But, but again, there's advantages to every, every way you look at it. Um, you know, I think you get a chance to develop the individual a lot more because you spend a lot more time indoors. Um, I think when you're outdoors a lot, you lose track of that and you spend a lot more time on the, on the whole. Um, so, you know, I think it made me a better baseball player going up there. I think I know it made me a better coach. You know, were you a gym rat as a player? Because I kind of see that as you as a coach, like you're always at the field. Like every time I talk to you, you're, you're at the field. Were you that way as a player? Cause I, it's just, I, I see you as a gym rat as a coach. And so I'm like, I okay, was, I mean, yeah. I mean, I know, I know you did the same. You grew up in the game, right? You know, I, dad was a, was a football, high school football, basketball, baseball coach. Um, you know, mom was a, was a, a nurse and she worked out hours. She, you know, she worked at the, I grew up in the DC area. My mom worked at Bethesda Naval. So she would work, you know, really, really odd hours. Um, so, so oftentimes when I was really young, I was just dragged with my dad I got captivated with the game. I got captivated with sports. Um, so many of the lessons I learned in life um, that, that helped me today came through sports. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that, that's who I am. That's, that's kind of what I, what I've become. I think my kids are the same way. Um, I think there's so many lessons you can learn through sports that are lost a lot today with the, with the instant world. Um, you know, I, so I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, I believe it's uh, it, it's created, helped create me and into who I am. And and Wake's probably not. I mean, if I if I think of Wake Forest, that's a white collar school. You know, to bring that type of mentality is probably what the baseball program needs because you're bringing a way different mentality and culture than maybe what your your guys are going to see around campus every day. Yeah, and I think I think we look for that in the recruiting process a little bit. Um, 
You know, you look at some of the lineages, some of the guys we've had from a guy like Gavin Sheets, whose dad Larry played in the big leagues and and, and so forth. I mean, I, I think one of the core beliefs of our staff is, is you know, it, we're not going to require, we're not going to ask our kids to do something we're not willing to do ourselves, right? So I, I think that requires time, that requires being here, that requires, you know, them seeing you face to face. Um, you can say that, but if they don't see you every day, they don't believe it. Um, I mean, that's just who it is or, or what it is. So you have, you don't have some of the same financial aid advantages as some of the other programs you're competing against. I mean, and you have good players. You know, how are you getting those types of players? Cause you look up and down your lineup and your pitching staff. It's like, okay, there's a dude, there's a dude, there's a dude. How are you doing that with some of your challenges? Well, I mean, along with challenges, there's always advantage. We got a great school, right? We got a great, you know, university and a, and a great campus to sell and unbelievable facilities. We're very fortunate to have them. But sure, there, finances is, is one of the greatest challenges. I mean, I, I got four daughters, like we talked about earlier. And, you know, one of the first thoughts you have when you have a child, when you're in my profession, is what's school going to cost to send her to school, right? Not to mention the weddings when you have four daughters, right? So, um you know, how, how do we do it? It's all relational, you know, build relationships. I, I think that's the gold in today's market, right? In today's market, when you don't, when you don't get what you want, you're trained at a very young age, just to pivot, right? You see that in summer baseball, you see that in high schools. Now kids transfer from high school to high school, just because they don't get kind of what they want. Um, so, so our goal and we go about the way we go about it is try and build relationships that last, um, whether we get the kid or not at Wake Forest, I, I want to be honest with them. You know, I want to have them involved in the process. I want them to understand what the fit is and why I feel like we could be a fit, but understand and know that, that we might not be that. And I think that transparency, that honesty in the, in the process, building that relationships, getting to know the people that surround and touch the player, I think is uh, is what the way we've tried to go about it, um, and I think we've been we've been able to win some you know kind of recruiting battles because of that. And that's why I was always okay. You hate losing kids, but if you put your best foot forward and you're honest, you're trying to develop a relationship, and they tell you no, like it made it a little bit easier if a kid decided to go somewhere else because you're trying to do it the right way. Yeah, and I, and you believe deep down, you know, you you paint the picture, you let them know what the environment is. You let them know what they're coming into. So you know when that kid doesn't come to Wake Forest, maybe it wasn't a, just a fit for the kid, but more often that environment isn't what he wanted, right? And, and, and at the end of the day, if I'm going to get the most out of you as a player, um, if we're going to get the most out of you in our program, it's because the environment matches what you're seeking, right? That the structure matches, the organization matches what you're seeking. Yeah, I've seen you guys a lot in the last, you know, four years, three plus years, you always have good freshmen. I mean, what are you doing with those guys to get them ready? That's not an easy thing to do in the ACC. You guys always have good freshmen. Yeah. I mean, I think opportunity is part of that, right? Like lots of programs have really good freshmen, but maybe they don't have the opportunity. Right. So I think we've been fortunate from a recruiting standpoint to, to, to kind of map out where we're going to be in a certain year and, and bring freshmen in that we feel like could be ready. And, and to their credit, they've done it. They've come in and done that. Um, you can have the best development plans in the world, right? There's there, the best development is, is, is time and opportunity, right? When you think about it deep down, right? So 
we've been very fortunate to, to kind of have that aligned. And, 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 you know, if I'm being honest, sometimes you miss. Like sometimes you think this kid is the guy that can come in and do that, and he isn't. But guess what? Somebody who you thought wasn't comes in and, and, and does that, you know, right away as a freshman. So, um, you know, we try and be mindful that, that everyone runs their own race. Every player, you know, has their own time, you know, time plan. But, but, um, but certainly try and pay, you know, map it out so that freshmen do get opportunities within our program. And you guys seem like you're ahead of the curve on grad transfers. You know, and, and yeah. it does like you and I were talking about grad transfers and I'm like, that's, that's newish to me when I first moved out here. It seemed like you guys were a little bit ahead of the curve on grad transfers. Well, without question, I, you know, I think what a grad transfer can bring is a perspective that can change your clubhouse. If I'm being honest, right. That's what we've seen for, for the last three years, grad transfers from, from mid major or low major programs, or even division three programs. We had a, a right-hander last year from, from NYU who ended up being a, a huge bullpen piece for us. But they provide a perspective in the clubhouse that I think is 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 invaluable. It's, it's, it's worth way more in terms of wins and losses than anything they do on the field. Um, when you come from a program that doesn't quite get the opportunities that kids get at Wake Forest or, or high-end schools like this, to be in facilities on a daily basis, not even not even just just the facility, but the work, the people involved in it, from your strength coaches to all that stuff that that uh, that a lot of times they didn't have at these other schools, um, I think has been has been a great great thing for us. I recruited Mormon kids because of that. They'd been on a mission trip. They were old, you know. This is a while ago, but you kind of knew what you were going to get out of them because they had been through it a little bit, had had some life experiences, and you just knew they were going to be able to handle themselves off the field as well. Yeah, with, with, without question. I mean, the other perspective is you bring you bring kind of the old man in the clubhouse, right? Like in it, when you think about high end college baseball, you don't have a lot of old men, right? Like if you do it right, your juniors are gone, um, and you lose them after your junior year. Well, you bring in seniors and grad students, and they become the old men. They become the, you know, kind of the the gatekeepers of of, of your culture. Is it better now with the transfer portal? You know, how much time are you split in between that and then still with your high school kids? Is it, is it a little bit better now with the transfer portal? Because you can kind of see who's available much more than maybe having to reach out a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think so. I mean, I, you know, look, I mean, I think if, if, if you want to play the long game, it's always on the high school end, right? The high school athlete, um, I, I, I do think, um, you know, you can build foundations. You can build relationships over years. I think the danger in the transfer portal, the danger, you know, when, when you go out and you just kind of rent players um, is your clubhouse, right? And, you know, I'll be the first to tell you, we, we've had some really, really talented teams that, that haven't achieved in ways that we thought they would, right? And, and when you think about it every single time, it all boils down to that clubhouse and, and, and how they interact with each other and, you know, how they, how they safeguard the environment. So, um, you know, we're, we're always going to be, you know, a, a place that, that looks to the high school end first. I think we'll, you know, we'll certainly look at the grad transfer market, um, you know, every single year. And I think we'll, we'll use the transfer market to fill, fill gaps. I mean, we fortunately, we got three transfers that are, that are playing really big roles from an undergrad standpoint. We also got, you know, a couple grad transfers that are playing really big roles. So, um, you know, I think you need to mix. Um, I think you need a mix of them all. 
What do you wish somebody would have told you before you got into coaching? Um, slow down, right? I, I think when I first got into coaching, I wanted to have an impact and I forced my impact on kids. Um, you know, I, I wish they told me just to take a deep breath um, and slow down a little bit. Um, I think as, as you get older, you get wiser, you see that, um, you know, I, I think if we do our job right, we, we challenge them in practice on a daily basis and then the game comes and, and for all intents and purposes, you can sit up in the stands with your wife and kids, right? If you do it right, let the kids play. It's this, this game's built on players. It's built on kids. It's built on student athletes. Let them, let them play. Um, let them be free in doing that. Um, if, if, if I could go back in time and do it again, um, I, I would I would take a deep breath um, because things are going to happen and, and let them happen and, and, and learn from them. Is that maybe what you do if you went back as a player, you know, maybe ramp up the practice piece and, and try to, to just go out and play as a player, you know, that you without learned that question. as a clo- coach? With, without question. I, you know, I'm a competitive person. I mean, if you come to if you come to our clubhouse, you'll see, I mean, every day a player gets a win and a loss, right? We, we, we intertwine competition, everything we do. Um, if you go into our player lounge, we got a ping pong table. We got a standings chart right next to it. They got, they play this game called monopoly deal. Now I can't, I don't I don't know what it is, but they're standings next to that, right? Wall ball standings, right? So as a player, you know, I, I think I was competitive, but I was competitive, really competitive on game day. I wasn't competitive enough in practice. I wasn't competitive enough in my preparation. Um, so if I could go back as a player, I, w- I would get way more competitive on that end. With your freshmen, is that an adjustment for them to see those standings? They probably might be the first time in their life they've ever seen standings with their name on. Is that an adjustment for your new players? Without question. Um, I, I think it's a, it's an adjustment for everybody. But what I think it does do when you track things and, and you do things, you, you bring – you bring to the forefront what your value system is. Everybody understands what your value systems are. Um, and, and you also bring to the forefront just the ability to compete, right? Like when you, when you think about today's athlete, today's athlete grows up in a world where social media is, 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 is prevalent and out there. Um, when they face challenges, right? It comes from love, but parents tend to remove the challenge in front of them because they want to see their kids succeed. It comes from, from absolute love. And as we talked about before, I, I believe some of the best lessons in life, you know, some of your most valuable lessons are, are, are learned through failure. So I think putting those standings up there, I, I, I think it, 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 you know, it, it puts it right in front of you. Right. And, and it, it forced a little fight or flight, um, you know, and, and if I'm being honest, I, like I told you, I, I don't ask our kids to do something I don't do myself. So I try and grade my day daily, whether or not I won or lost, right? By the impact I had, by the, by the organization we had, had, by the practice we had, right? What was my win or loss? By the messages we delivered. Is it so, love or ego as a parent? Because for me, the, the love piece is, and this is hard, like the love piece is like letting them fail and work through things. And it's really hard. For me, the, the parents that I was around when my kids were coming out, for me, it was more of an ego thing for them that they didn't want their kids to fail. Without question. I mean, I, I, like I said, four daughters, um, two of them heavily involved in sports. Two of them are too young to be involved in sports, but I'm sure they will be, right? I think 
one of the greatest things you can do is release your kids to the environment, release your kids to the coaches, right? Like I try and sit back and watch um, as much as I can. And I, I don't get to see enough of it. My wife, you know, unfortunately I get a lot of the videos nowadays, but um, I try and sit back and watch. And I, I think one of the greatest things you can do as a parent is, is release them to the environment and let, you know, all I try and do is correct them when when they when they try and put it on something that's with not within their control, outside of their control. I just try and recenter them back to, hey, look, this is what you could do in that situation. And I think we've been fortunate and our kids have, have, have grown in that environment. I think sometimes that that is it's tough love. Right. It's you know, it, it's not OK to blame the referee. It's not OK to blame the coach, the, your other player. It's not OK to do this. I think that that's that's tough love. But. I think eventually that lesson sinks in. How how'd your dad handle you? Is that how your dad handled you? He was tough. Um, my dad, um, I don't think you ever ever you were ever really good enough. I think I, I think that's a great quality. We must um, have the same dad. <laughs> <laughs> so, but but here's what I'll tell you: um, he was always there. He was always there to love you, unless you did one thing unless you didn't go about it the right way or you didn't give effort, right? It was never about the result. It was always about the process. Um, and, uh, and, and some of the, my toughest moments um, came to when I just didn't have a good process, right? And, you know, in the moment, I didn't necessarily like it, but, but I'll tell you what, you look back, you know, after time and, and, and you know every time that he was right. Yeah, I've been on the, the high school speaking circuit, so I've seen some former teammates and they're like, I get it now with your dad. I get it. I get it now how he was the way he was because he's created successful people. Didn't always like it at the time. And the words that came out of his mouth were a little rough at times, but it was the same thing. It was if your effort wasn't good, he was going to check you on your effort. If your effort yep. was good, you probably gonna, weren't going to hear about it. But they're all to a man like, OK, yeah, I get it now. Without question. And one of the coolest things, I mean, you get to see this. I'm sure you saw this with your dad. It's just running into people you've never met in life. You don't know them from Adam, right? They see your last name, and they tell you how how big of an impact your dad had on them. Um, there's, you know, those, those things to me are 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 invaluable, and and uh, you know, it's the things I, I I cherish. Who helped you transition the most from playing to coaching? <laughs> so, um, so my first coaching job was American Legion baseball, Sissel Sacks in American Legion, Montgomery County, Maryland, and. Uh, there's a guy, you know, Kirk Crixton's his name. Kirk was a, um, a longtime old baseball coach, old school guy in, in, in Montgomery County, Maryland. Now now lives on the eastern shore of Maryland. And, and um, I took a job. I got done. I took a job in accounting. I was coach, or doing accounting in Bethesda, Maryland. And, and um, you know, Kirk was like, hey, just come help me with baseball. And I learned more in that summer. Um than I may have learned in, in, in all of my coaching career. I mean, he just had a unique perspective, but, but the one thing he did was he could hold a kid accountable in, in a way that, that the kid didn't interpret it as being demeaning. Um, you know, his mentality, his way of going about it was so, so unique. Um, it's something I try and do now. I mean, every good joke's got a little truth to it, right? A little truth to it. And, and, and he was really good at telling the good joke with a little truth to it that, that got the message apart in a way that the kid could hear the message. Um, so um, he was a big part of that. Coach Rossi was a big part of that. You know, uh, 
my first day on the job, he called me that summer and said, hey, you want to come back? You can you can be my recruiting guy. You can make $1,750 this year. You know, good luck. Um, you know, but um, but I'll never forget sitting in the office the first day and I got a, a Word document. And this is when computers were just coming out. I got a Word document with my entire summer planned out by the day. Um, and, and at Siena, we had no budget, right? So, you know, I would I would get in the car. I'd drive four hours. I'd, I'd be in an event all day, drive four hours home, and then get up at, you know, 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. and drive four hours the other way. And, and guess what? You better pack a lunch because our budget can't afford too many meals out. So um, pack your lunch when you're home. Did he give you any stipulations when you went on the road as far as recruiting? Like, here's what you need to look for. Or did he kind of just let you do your thing when you went on the road? So that's, um, you know, that was, that was one of the greatest blessings, in my, in my opinion. He, he, he just said, look, we, this is what we need, right? And we need a shortstop. We need four pitchers. We need whatever it is. Go get them, right? And, 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 and just said, here's the events. Here's the people you need to know at these events. Go see them. Go figure it out. And, um, you know, our, our, our first recruiting class when I was at, at, at Siena had John Lennon, who was a big leaguer, um, who I didn't think was good enough. He, Coach Rossi did most of the recruiting on. Um, you know, he's the opening day starter for the for the Nats. And it had about seven or eight guys that that I thought were going to be dynamic and, and were dudes. And and, uh, and some of them panned out, some of them did. But but it, he let me fail. Um, he let me fail in doing it. He let me build the relationships. Right. I'd never been on the phone with a recruit. Right. And this is the era before cell phones. And, and, and you're getting kids on the phone. You're sitting in the office till, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night. And, and you're building these relationships. And I think. Him, you know, kind of taking the kid gloves off and just letting me go, you know, helped shape me in ways that that um, that I'm, I'm I'm forever grateful. What did he see out of him that you, that you didn't see? Uh, he saw big left-handed, and you know, I, I looked at the radar gun. The radar gun said it was seventy-seven, seventy-nine. So we like we don't want seventy-seven, seventy-nine guys, right? Um, but big left-handed, athletic, competitive. You know, I. I, I think the one thing, you know, that I think that that's synonymous with every kid when you look back and you say, hey, this kid overachieved what I thought his talent was. Right. And it's competitive spirit. Right. And that's what John is. And John was super competitive kid. Right. So, um, you know, I think he, I missed the competitive part. And I think he he was dead nuts on him. With guys coming into the program, do you try to make any adjustments with them before they get there? Or you just kind of wait and see till they show up on campus? No, I, I, I think it's one of the things we try and do differently. We recruit kids earlier and earlier, right? And I, I think there's such an opportunity from the day they commit to you to the day they get there to help shape them and, and help have them be ready the day they step on campus. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, every day we're getting video from our kids and every opportunity I can, you know, once this, this quiet period ends, I try and get out there and see our kids. I don't do it at the sacrifice of our team. Um, I, I think that's one of the things that we we've done a really good job here at Wake Forest. I think we get in this this recruiting world where it's go 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 go, um, and and we've done a pretty good job of, of of investing still in our program kids here. But but every t- opportunity I can, I'm trying to go out there and see them and help guide them along the way. Um, I think one of the greatest things you can help them with is just challenging them, right? Challenging them with specific things to do. Over, over the course of time, right? Whether it's challenging them to, to get to a certain weight or strength um, piece. Yeah, it was a life skills it, piece for me too. Try to help them get get ahead of the curve for what they were going to experience on campus. I loved going to watch our incoming guys. 
I spent as much time in the summertime going to watch them as I did. And, and by the way, you're going to see a, a, a guy you want to recruit probably by going to see them as well. Yeah, 100%. I mean, look, you think about it. And by the way, right? parents see that too. The, the, the parents of other recruits see that. Like, okay, they didn't, they didn't forget about that kid's going to Wake Forest. They didn't forget about that kid. They're still watching him. He's already committed, and they're still watching him. Without question. 14 to 17, 18-year-old minds, you know, that's a, that's a key development time frame, right? So, so we try and do other things like, you know, talk about reading books together, right? Having that shared sacrifice of our group. We try and interconnect our guys, interconnect our recruiting classes um, so, that, so that they, you know, when they go to tournaments, they're hanging out with, with other guys that are coming to Wake Forest. And he, what you find is the recruiting kind of, it amplifies it. You know, it, it, everybody, you know, who, who parents, players, other coaches see that, right? And, and, and you get, you know, the advantage of, of similar and like-minded people. What are your go-to books to recommend for incoming guys? So um, we go the the whole gamut. So last year we read it, you know, we read it as a team. So we tend to give our incoming guys the book we read as a team. We read a, a book every fall. Um, you know, last year was It Takes What It Takes. Um, I love that book. You no, know, but yeah, there's, I mean, there's there's so many good books out there now nowadays. I mean, everything from from guys like David Goggins to 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 you name it. I mean, we we we've, we've kind of used them all. We've gone. We've gone through, you know, a dozen, dozen and a half books over the course of the last four or five years between our teams and our, our, our incoming guys. You know, one of the things that, that we're starting to, to, to move towards, too, is, is there's so many good documentaries out there, right? Like the Tom Brady documentary, the, the Michael Jordan documentary. There's so much stuff out there about Kobe Bryant. I mean, successfully. Full swing. Flew. By the way, full swing. Phenomenal. Yep. The, the tennis one is phenomenal. It's the same company. I haven't watched Drive to Survive. That's the Formula One racing one. But the tennis and the golf ones are phenomenal. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's so many good ones out there. And I think, you know, the more you chat, what happens is incoming players understand what your values are. Hey, they're making me read this book. They got to share some of these values, right? Or, or your players, right? They're reading those books. And these are the values that these are the standards. These are the expectations that that a Wake Forest player has. So I think the more you can do things like that, and not for nothing, right? Kids don't read nowadays, right? It's all audiobook, right? So anytime you can make them make that sacrifice and they can get invested in, just further invest in your program. So with your development plan with your hitters, because guys continue to improve, guys are still putting up numbers. You look at your numbers right now, they're ridiculous, by the way. But you look at, you know, like Brock Wilkin, I've loved for three years. He's just been steady. He's been steady, steady, steady for three years. Like, how do you keep him kind of moving forward or, or well, I, any I, hitter moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I, I think communication, and, and you know, is a, is a big key to that. I mean, I think you got to set goals for, for them and – I think one of the things that we've done really, really well with our hitters, you know, two of the things I would say, number one is, is we've built out routines that, that have helped accentuate what they do well and address kind of what they struggle with. Right. And we've reevaluated that on, you know, a six, eight week basis and then tried to continue to move forward. Um, Cause his setup's so, a little different, you know, his friend, he's kind of evolved his setup. He's a little more spread out his freshman year, and he's kind of evolved into what he is. But the adjustments he's made from year to year, that's not an easy thing to do because pitchers figure out how to get you out with synergy now. They know exactly how to pitch you, where sure. to play you. Like, he's continued to improve. Like, I, that's the thing that I've been impressed with him is he, he was a guy your freshman year, but he's continued to improve when guys know how to get you out and they know exactly where to play you now too. Yeah, I mean, it's look, it, 
you get guys like him that are super invested in their own swing, super invested in, 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 in Wake Forest baseball. You know, those guys continue to get better. And, you know, he, 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 he's a, he's a sponge. He's, he's fortunate. His uncle, he went, he, he was from the North Carolina area. He left, went down to Florida to play for his uncle. His uncle, Chris is a, is a highly accomplished baseball coach at Bloomingdale high school was the Florida coach of the year, two years ago, led him to a state championship. And, um, plays with know, a lot so of energy good, too. He plays with a ton of energy. Good, good people surrounding him, but, but more than anything, like with any good hitter, right. They, they take ownership. They take ownership of everything they do. And that's what he does. I mean, his work ethics elite. I mean, give me, give me a three-star player with a five-star work ethic over a five-star player with three-star work ethic any day. Right. That's Brock. I mean, he's going to show up every day. He helps set the standard for all of our guys. I mean, Today's an off day, Monday, right? You go out to our, our facility, our hitting facility here, you know, after one o'clock, you're going to have almost every one of our guys pass through there, right? And, you know, on the field, I mean, our our, our investment in ourselves individually is high. And and and, and when they want to be around here, that, that, that kind of snowballs. And it's it's um, it's great to watch. I mean, I, I get to be a spectator, you know, I, if I'm being honest. I get to be a spectator in a lot of those things. And, and you got a lot of different pieces in your lineup too, but for you guys, like your park plays fairly small. How how do you know? Okay, we, we need some action guys too to kind of set the table with all this. How do you fight that urge to maybe just try to get nine guys in your lineup that can can run it out of the ballpark? Yeah, well, so we learned we had to learn that lesson the hard way a little bit. I mean, I think we, you know, had a really good year in 2017. Had a, had a bunch of dynamic pieces and you know, kind of fell in love with, with, with a little bit more physical kid and, and end up being a little bit more, you know, less athletic, uh, more one dimensional. Right. So, um, you know, I believe my, my core belief, like y- you have to do what the game requires of you on a given day. Right. And that requires different pieces that it requires different abilities. You need to have every tool on your tool belt. You need to be able to bunt when you need to bunt. You need to be able to be low. You need to be able to run when you need to be able to run. You need to be able to defend the field. Right. Um, you know, if you study winning teams in college baseball over time, right? You know, pitching and defense is always even the done big that, leagues. Right? I mean, defensive yeah. efficiency that the you know I, I put it when I talk on infield on the circuit, I pull up defensive efficiency for the big league teams. Seven of the top teams this year were in the playoffs that could convert outs that were put in play. Like that's that's always going to be the case with baseball, without without question and. You know, so so we've made a, made that a priority, right? To to be dynamic, be different, right? And you'll see, we got some guys who can really run at the top of the bottom. We got some more physical guys in the middle. You know, everybody wants the guy who can do them both, right? Those guys are hard to get. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, right? They're so, in spring training um, right now. <laughs> but yeah, but but defend defend the field, and, and you're always going to give yourself a chance. Be able to throw the ball in the strike zone. You're always going to be able to give yourself a chance. Make contact. And you're always going to be able to give yourself a chance. I mean, I think in a world where we accept the strikeout as a, just another out, um, I think you get a chance to be different when, when you don't do that. Um, so, so that's what we try and do. We've had seven big leaguers, 65 drafts. How do you help players kind of navigate, especially going into that junior year of the noise of the draft and scouts? I think you just gotta, you gotta start talking about it from day one. I mean, I, you know, we do that a lot I, you know, this year we're, we're, we're junior laden, right? So, spent a lot of time with those guys and, and understanding what it is, but he, he, here's the deal. Here's what I've found out in doing this. I believe that if you invest yourself in the program, if you invest yourself in the team individually, everybody gets what they want, right? 
if you think about it, everybody's in everybody's pockets, right? The better you are as a team, everybody wants winners, right? The better you are as a team, everybody, you know, gets what they want from a, from a draft perspective. And, and, and let's be honest, the goal isn't just to get drafted, right? The goal is to play in the big leagues, right? And let, let's be even more honest than that. The goal is to get post-arbitration and change the course of your family's life, right? That's what baseball can do. Baseball can change the course financially of your family's life. So if you understand the long, if you understand the big picture, you know, I think you can make more sound decisions and it doesn't weigh on you quite as much. How do you handle scout interviews? Because obviously you're going to get hounded to, to, and they want contact with you guys. How do you handle that? Take care of it in the fall? Do you have leeway in the we spring with those guys to try to be fair to the scouts as well, but also fair to your guys? Is it mostly done in the fall for you guys? Yeah, we try to. We try and do You know, We send it out early on and we try and kind of the end of the fall after our fall season ends. Um, you know, I think we had like 26 or 30, you know, kind of get that done. Had a couple holdover in the spring. Once our season starts, we try and avoid that part. Like, like, but look, you know, our, my, my goal as a player, when I was a player, much like your goal, Ryan was, was playing the big leagues, right? So like, if you're not helping facilitate that in some ways, I, I, I think you're doing a disservice to your players. Um, so we just try and be, be open and honest and, and, and try and get it done earlier. Um, I think we're, we're a pretty scout friendly program. If you talk to most scouts, they'll, they'll, they'll kind of say the same. There's a lot there. Uh, they like you yeah, guys. No doubt. There's a lot there so, when I'm there. Um, you know, I think that's what, I, I think that's our responsibility as, as, as coaches. How do you know when to kind of make a tweak with a guy? You know, you say you got a guy scuffling a little bit. How do you know when you're going to maybe try to take it, tweak a guy a little bit? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I think the college model allows for, you know, for development in a way that is that is very very advantageous, right? So, if you look at the 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 the, the, the year and the periodization of the year, you know, you have a, this summer segment, very easy time to make a tweak. You have the fall segment, right? You're not held accountable quite as much. You can play two games or or maybe three if you've got a foreign game in there, um, but you're inter squad a lot, right? You have that ability in there. Then you have the winter time, right? Again, ability to do that in there. Then when the season hits, you know, I, I, I feel like you got to you got to shift and really be in competition mode. Right. So very little tweaking during the season. Uh, you know, I think your best value as a coach is, is to prepare your guys every single day um, as to what they're going to see, as to what people are trying to do against them, as to what they do well. Um, you know, I think that's my goal. If we got a tweak inside of that, removing competition, I think, is the key. Right. You can try and tweak as much as you want. If there's competition, if they're still the held bullets accountable, bullets flying, you got result. no shot. You got no shot when the bullets are flying. One hundred percent, right? So, I I think it's mentality a lot when you're trying to tweak. When you, if I'm being honest, um, you know, I'm 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 trying to help them. You know, I kind of cope with it. You know, it was, we got a catcher right now, Bennett Lee, who I think is an, an exceptional player, uh, transfer from Tulane. Uh, you know, is as good as it gets he as is a human good. being. He's really good. Um, can really really receive. Didn't get off to the start he wanted to, and I, you know, I I told him the story of my senior year, and my senior year, I, I you know, had draft expectations as a junior, um, didn't come to fruition, didn't handle myself well my senior year, and you know, not coincidentally, I started the year for 33, right? My 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 last game at South Alabama before I finally broke out, I hit a ball, I don't know, we didn't have exit velocities back then, right? But but it was hit hard. Uh, and it was right on the right field line. And somehow the right fielder was playing there. It didn't make any sense. 
to me. And, and, um, I had a scout tell me I need to hit for more power. And if you look at me, uh, that was not, I'm coming off a 90 hit junior season. And so it took me my half my senior year to get back to being who I was. It took me half the year. And just because I was trying to be someone that I was not and paying attention to outside noise, I should have been like, nod my head and be like, I'm going to go back to trying to score as many runs as possible. Yep. And, and I think given, give, when you can give players that perspective and be like, Hey man, this is long. And look, I, I look forward to, I can't wait for the day. I know it's coming soon where you're carrying us through a series. You're carrying us through a week. Right. And, and what you're doing defensively is impacting the game in so many different ways. And, you know, it, the best part about it is, is you continue to show up and you're the same guy every day. Right. And, and giving them that perspective and that comfort, I think is the, the best thing you can do. You know, now in season, I think you guys do a phenomenal job with your in-season nutrition, training, kind of go through that a little bit with what you guys are doing for training, nutrition this time of year. Yeah, I mean, so, so, so again, that periodization of the year, right? So I think when you shift to season time, right, it, it, nutrition recovery becomes, becomes paramount, right? You play Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We had a four-game series this weekend. We played a doubleheader Friday, you know, we played a 6 p.m. game that got done at 9 o'clock on, on, on Saturday. I had to turn around and play a 2 p.m. game on, on Sunday. So not only is it about eating the right foods, it's about the timing of when to eat them, right? And, and that gets limited with, you know, with when you play. Um, so, so what used to be taboo if you had food in the dugout and stuff like that is, is, is totally different now. I mean, we bring out snack bins and, you know, it's, it's, it's been my Big smoothies, big smoothie program smoothie is, is, is that my detriment is the uncrustable, right? Like <laughs> I, I had a chance to coach with team USA and back in the 17 new team back in, in 2019. And that was our lunch. And, and since that day, I've, I've kind of fallen in love with the uncrustable and the availability of them around the couch is, is way too high. Right. So my daughter well, said it the other day, she goes, it's a shame. Uncrustables. There's like four in a pack. She goes, why are they doing that? There's only four in a pack. Yeah, we get we get the Costco version. There's a little bit more than four. I couldn't make it on four in a pack, you know. So um, it's um, but but nutrition, like you, you you have to be like hydration, a big piece of that. Sleep, right? Sleep is 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 as 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 important as anything when it comes to recovery, right? And then on top of that, I mean, I I think one of the greatest challenging challenges in keeping weight throughout the course of the season is the strength then, right? And and being timely and thoughtful with that, right? We're playing four games a week. We're still trying to get into the weight room three times a week right now. Now, one of those is a mobility lift because um, it ties to, to our game, but we're still trying to get in there three days a week. And think about this, right? Your, your players that aren't your everyday players, if you're keeping them on that same schedule, are you, aren't you really doing them a disservice? You're slowing their development. So we, we try and really individualize it and, and try and make it make sense for each individual, right? And, you know, it, it, it it needs to be important. I think it's important to, to the high school athlete. I think it's important to the college athlete um, and, and certainly important to a professional athlete. What are some active recovery deals that you're having them do on an off day? I assume you guys are off today or, or maybe not because you, you guys usually play Tuesday. How do you handle that? Do you, do you practice on a Monday if you're playing Tuesday and take Wednesday off? When when are you taking your off days depending on your schedule? So we, we just shifted the Mondays off. So we, we have for about the last five years done Wednesdays off, right? Just just felt like day before a game we went. And, and we've shifted the Mondays off, right, because of the recovery and um, more than anything. So um, but we'll have, I, I would say, um, 
I would say 95% of our guys will show up today and, and do something active. Um, whether it's swing the bat, you know, kind of get out there and do some, you know, defensive work on their own or whatever it may be. Um, we're getting away from our, 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 our strength guy, you know, has some open hours where he does some optional stuff on, on Mondays. And, and certainly they're in, in the training room. I mean, I, I think when I look back at my time as a player, if you were in the training room, you know, it's a bad thing. You were looked at like, Hey man, like this guy's weak. Um, and I think now it's, it's, it's more about the prehab room. It's not even really about the post. Um, I was in there train- all the time. I didn't care. I didn't want to be sore. I was, I, I'm, I wore poor Terry Collins out cause I was in there all the time, but you know what? I played four straight years and never got banged up. Like I was in there all the time doing stuff. Yeah, and I and I was the opposite. That, and I was fortunate. I did. I just didn't get, didn't get hurt. Right, just luck. Right, dumb luck. But, but now our guys, you got everything from, you know, contrasting hot and cold tubs in there to, you know, getting in there and and and, and whatever. I would have liked you know. playing in this generation from that from from that piece. The training piece is way better now. All of it. The restaurant recovery is better. All of it. I I like a lot of the new stuff out now. I think the cohesiveness is the biggest deal. The cohesiveness between the trainer your strength coach, your coaching staff, your nutritionist, you add in things like a sports psychologist. I think the cohesiveness um, is the key. And, you know, I think it's something that we at Wake Forest, you know, spend a lot of time trying to use as effectively as possible. Do you you tweak pregame at all throughout the year? Do you tweak it depending on where you guys Uh, are at? Do you tweak pregame at all? I, we, We try, if I'm being honest, I try not to. We, we do a little bit on Sundays. We don't throw as much. I do from a, from a throwing volume perspective. Um, but I think, again, I'm a, I think all good things are founded in routine, right? So I try and keep them in routine. Um, you know, I, I, I tell the story, you know, before each game, I, we, we meet as a, as a, as a group and go over the scouting report and I tell a story. Right. And, and the other day I told the story of Gavin Sheets. He made his big league debut that didn't happen. He went up to the big leagues and got called up and spent two days up there and didn't play. Right. And they sent him back down and, you know, after the game, you know, I was there with his family. His family wasn't very, feeling very good. And Gavin looked kind of at him and, and said, don't worry, I'll be back. And I'm going to be back here to stay. And we talk about doing things conditionally, right? Like if I do X, you know, if I play every day, I'll work hard, right? If I if I play shortstop, I'll have great energy um, was the message. And, and I think that's one of those things that I think you need to be mindful from a health perspective. And, and I try and be you know, very communicative with, with our trainer, Jeff Strom. But I think if you can keep them in routine, you teach them that they shouldn't do things conditionally, how you feel. Sometimes you got to act a little bit different than how you feel. Yes. Yes, for sure. That's a Goggins thing too. Yep. For sure. A guy never acts the way he feels. He's my guy. <laughs> he never <laughs> acts the way he, he's, I show one of his videos on the circuit for the, the mental, peak performance stuff that I've got. And he's one of them in there. Cause he talks about it, you know, that it's called hedonic adaptation. What do you do when you get used to something? You know, you, you get the best job in the world two weeks later, you're going to be tired of it. So how do you reengage? Like he's tricked his minded like that. All that stuff doesn't matter. Like just go do it. Without question. Right. I mean, I think there's, there's so much value in that, right? 50, you play 56 games. Think about a big leaguer who plays 162 game, 161 games, whatever it is, 180 days. Um, Right. You get 18 days off in there. Right. Almost every one of those ends up t- being tied to rain because they're going to take the rest of them and throw it like, how, how do you do that? Like you, you've got to train yourself to, to be at your best when you don't necessarily feel your best. And think about this, the playoffs at the end of the year, the World Series at the end of the end of the year. Right. Like 
how can you feel your best at that time? You can't. Um, but the ones that, 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 that go into it, understand it, embrace it, they use it to their advantage. Did your seven big leaguers have that? Did they get that figured out in college? Without question. I, I mean, I think that the one commonality you, you'd see with your big leaguers mentality, um, not talent. I mean, talent, talent matters, but I've had, I've had super talented guys. The, the, the ones that have the mentality, those are the ones that make it. And almost every time, you know, you can identify that when you're around them for about six months. I would say you identify it and you say, you know what, this guy's a big leaguer. You know, what would you like to see a little bit more out of the new kids coming into the program? I like asking this for coaches listening in. What what would you like to see out of kids coming into the program that maybe they're not getting? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think the 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 value in understanding what winning really is, um, I think is is lost a lot nowadays, right? We're we're in an era um where in, in select baseball, for example, if you're a pitcher, you come in and you throw your two innings. Um so we put such a premium on exposure um, that I think we've lost winning, right? So, you know, people talk all the time. There's this great debate about multi-sport athletes and 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 why or why not and specialization, right? I think what multi-sport athletes do more than anything in other sports, they teach winning at a much, you know, a, a much more uh, important level, um, or they put more of a priority on winning. Um, and the practice so, environment. I mean, you go watch a basketball practice, that practice environment, there's wins and losses, a lot of those going on. A football practice, same thing. There's a lot of wins and losses because there's a lot of one-on-one stuff, guys going after each other. Like You see a little bit more of that, I think, from a practice standpoint on those because uh, those sports are conducive with their training. Yeah, I think you can do that in baseball with the training piece, but also travel ball is not training as much as, as they are playing. Well, and 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 – there's an organization like, like you, you go watch other sports and, and I had a crash course in it growing up, right? My dad, that's what he did. You go watch basketball, basketball practice an hour and a half. It's the most organized hour and a half there is, right? A football practice, maybe a little bit longer, two hours, but super organized, right? I think in baseball too many times we sacrifice organization and we just get out there and we just try and play and we, we, we take it by the hip too much. Right. So I think the efficiency which w- with which other sports practice is something we can learn a lot from in soccer baseball. also. Soccer. I, up, I played soccer all the way through and I like soccer yep. and there was a lot of competing in soccer practice, whether against yep. the clock for running or whether the 3v1, 2v1, 4v1, like there, there's a lot of competing going on in that training segment. Without question. And, and I think if you, th- if you dig deeper and you think a lot about it, right, I think it's one of the things – that we lose a lot of baseball players at an early age because of, right? We're not as good with our structure. We're not as good with our organization as some of these other sports. And we don't compete as much. Let's be honest. Kids like to compete. Kids like structure, right? It, it, and we need to provide those things, right? Instead of just kind of doing what we do from a block practice perspective. Do you have any hitting absolutes or do you have anything that maybe you thought of when you were a young coach that you don't believe in now? Um, hitting absolutes. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, if I, if I'm being honest, I ask our guys to do three things, right. Uh, on a simple form, right. The first thing I ask them to do um, is to be aggressive, right. I think hitters hit, um, you know, so everything we do from the time they're three or four away to the time they step in the batter's box is built on 
being aggressive and the adversity that comes from being aggressive, right? I think there's two ways when you think about it to create a wall. One is you create some fear, right? You win that pitcher hitter confrontation. And one is the guy's just not good enough or the guy just doesn't throw good enough strikes on that giving at bat, right? So I think be aggressive is, is something that that's an absolute for me. Um, the second thing I ask them to do is, is kind of gear their swings towards, you know, the, the old baseball uh, approach of just looking away and reacting to Ann, right? We spend a ton of time. We, the pitchers pitch in more than they've ever pitched in today, um, be, partially because pitchers just trying out stuff you a lot now. We get so much stuff. Pitching is, has been ahead of hitting. However, when you, when, when you get them to, to kind of gear their timing or gear their, their plan to looking away, um, they tend to spin the ball right a lot more. They tend to be behind the ball. They tend to make better contact. They're closer to being on time to the secondary stuff, right? So that's, that's kind of absolute number two. Absolute number three is like we talked about earlier, the two-strike conflict, right? Can we win the two-strike conflict over and over and, and valuing um, making contact with two strikes and not looking at two strikes as just another out? Um, we don't complete outs at the college level like they do in the big leagues. And, and, and even more than that, if you can teach them to have some discipline and create some adversity in their takes with two strikes, um, I think you, you, you stretch a pitcher's body, you, you stretch a pitching staff. Because um, you did that to Crowder, Illinois' guys, great stuff. You guys just kind of wore him down and got him out of there because you had some competitive at-bats. Even though you didn't have much to show for it on the scoreboard, that was a, a phenomenal matchup with him and Louder going after each other. But you kind of just wore him out, and then you got to the bullpen, and you were able to do some damage on the bullpen, which is what's going to happen when you have on a Friday night. You're going to have to do that. Without I mean, look, Illinois is. Um, I mean, they're undervalued. Right? They had a good they're, weekend. They're a good they had a, team. They had a good weekend. Yeah, they're a good team, and 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 their pitching staff is electric. Um, they got some older position players. It was an absolute battle, you know, twice and. And, uh, you know, they've done a tremendous job, you know, and just kind of building, you know, a, a program at Illinois that's that's not only Dan is just steady. He just steady. He's right. just that stands. Means, Coach Hartlib is just steady. I love seeing him. I love talking to him. He's just steady. Yep. And and, and we were fortunate on that night. You know, they're they, you know, they're good. And and, uh, and and like you said, we had a bunch of long at bats. Um, we're able to get in their bullpen in the middle innings fortunate that we played him early in the year his pitch count probably wasn't built up to to where it needs to be and and uh where it will be later in the season so um hey you talked I, about two strike know. approach there's that fine line of your it's still an aggressive swing and and maybe guys trying to feel for their swing rather than still staying aggressive how do you guys how do you help guys through that piece like hey it's still an aggressive swing with two strikes we're not just trying to fillet the ball in and play. We're still staying aggressive. How do you get them to kind of feel the difference between those two? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I challenge them, right? Like I, I just, we, we do two strike BP almost every day in batting practice, right? And I get out there and, I mean, if you see me throw BP, I throw hard BP yes, on purpose, right? Um, yeah, you're and, lighting it and, up at UNCG. Yep. Yeah, and, and, and on top of that, when we get to two strikes, like I'm, I'm competing and, and you're going to know I'm competing because yes. normally I'm talking to you as we're doing it. Right. And you're probably talking back at me and that's okay. Right. Like I think creating some of that competitiveness in there is a good thing. And I think it gets you know, them so ready like, for the game too. Like I, no, they're going to have to go out and compete here in, in about 40 minutes, you know, an hour, 
get get some of those juices going before the game. No doubt. And and um, so like I'm trying to compete with you. So what do I have you do right at the end of the day? Right. I'm trying to change your mentality. I'm trying to change your mentality. So your thought process isn't I don't want to strike out. Right. I think that's what happens a lot. Right. When people overcoach the two strike approach, the mentality becomes just don't strike out. Right. So what do you see? You see more passive swings, not only in two strikes, but you see more passive swings before two strikes. Um, you know, I'm trying to keep you aggressive, but I'm trying to teach you the zone so that you know when and when and when not to swing. Right. Yes. If you want a superpower as a hitter, swing at strikes, take balls. Right. That's a superpower. And uh, and I think the best of the best get really good at doing that. Coaches that are trying to get into this thing right now that just start. I mean, you, you guys are on the forefront of a lot of the technology stuff. What kind of skills should they pick up right now to help them get into the profession? Well, I mean, I think anytime you can get affluent in any of the new technology, there's so much technology out there, right? We're, we're fortunate not only to have the technology, but people that help us learn how to use it, right? Like, you know, I think we at Wake Forest um, are a little bit unique in that they're not ornaments here. Um, you know, we use them for all kinds of different things, um, you know, TrackMan to, to, to what we do in the pitching lab, to, to kind of, you know, everything in between. Um, my advice so would I, be I learn would, Spanish. Well, yeah, that's all my buddies that are in pro ball right now that don't speak Spanish. They're Duolinga. They're they're trying to learn Spanish right now. Yeah, and I would, but I would the one piece of advice I'd give them to them is 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 don't accept everything as fact, right? Just because it's been done forever, um, dive into it, right? I I think one of the greatest challenges now is we draw a conclusion. And then we go searching for the analytic to support it, right? I see that all the time. Confirmation bias. It's confirmation bias. <laughs> 100%. So the, the other piece of advice I'd give you is just sit back and watch. The game will tell you everything you need to know. But you got to do it unbiased, right? You got to sit back unbiased and, and just watch the game. It'll tell you what you need to know. It'll tell you what you're good at. You want your resume as a coach? Watch your team play. That's simple for me. What are your initial reactions to the to the new rules that have been implemented? So I I love the idea of the time clock. I do. I mean, you know, we we at Wake Forest try and play very fast. Here's what I struggle with. I struggle with the inconsistency of how it's managed, right? So I think there's confusion on my part. I know there's confusion on the players' part and the umpires. So, and the umpires' part too, right? I, you know, you know, I, we pop on our what we're doing, and then you pop on spring training games here this week, and you got games ending on pitch clock violations and all that stuff. I think that the, the thought of playing the game fast is a great thought. Um, it, it keeps kids engaged, much like we talked about at younger levels, our time being too much and discouraging kids from playing. The more we can play fast, the better it is for the game long term. I do think we need to constantly evaluate how we do it. Um, I think we need to constantly evaluate the safety of it. Um, I'll give you an example. This past weekend, we had a had one of our guys, I mean, he's a guy um, on the mound and uh, and we played fast and, uh, and and he got four warm-up pitches. Is that really what we want? Um, you know, I, I think we have to have some feel um, in there on a, on a cool night. You know, that's not really what we want. So, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy for them. Um, 
you know, much like anything, the rules are the facts and we got to play within them and we're going to try it was and like do the that. Like the hit-by-pitch rule when it got implemented, like it was, yep. it was a mess when it got implemented, but you just kind of dealt with it. Yep. And I think we, when, what have we done with the hit-by-pitch rule? We've constantly reevaluated. Yep. We've changed it a little bit. And, and I think that's what we got to do. You don't know if, how the rule is going to work until you've done it over the course of the season. Um, so, so I, I, again, I, I just think the challenge is, is, is how do we have consistency in, in how we're going to interpret the rule? Do you have any fail forward moments? Do you have anything that sidetracked you or maybe you thought was going to sidetrack you, but looking back now was, was one of the better things that happened to you? Yeah, well, look, I, I, at 14 years, this is my 14th year at, at Wake, right? And, and um, you know, my, my second year, I mean, I, I took the job here and Coach Walter hired me and um, I felt like I was ready, I, you know, and, and – and uh, and year two, I think we hit about 230 as a team. Um, I did a poor job. I mean, I, I just didn't do enough. And, you know, the thing I look back and I say, I get a crash course every weekend. We got some of the best coaches in the country in the ACC. I get a crash course every weekend if I just sit back and watch. Watch what some of these guys do and watch how they make their guys better. Watch how they interact with umpires, players, other coaches, all that stuff. And, and you know, I – one of my biggest fail forward, moment, fail forward moments, and it was that that off season. I kind of looked at myself and I said, "Look, I, you know, I've been going about this thing with with just trying to impose my will on on players, impose my will on the game, and and just kind of sitting back and saying, look, at you, you dummy, you got the you got a crash course every weekend. Start observing. Go out and watch the other teams take BP. Go out and watch the other teams warm up, right and." talk to those other coaches, figure out how, what they've had. And I think baseball and coaches in baseball um, are some of the nicest and giving coaches out there, right? Be willing to, you know, pick up the phone and make a call to somebody and say, Hey man, I saw you guys do this. Explain that to me. Um, so I, I, I think, you know, it wasn't one individual moment, but it was that season that, that kind of brought that out in me. Well, and you said it like adversity is, is what teaches you everything. Yep. When you face adversity, it teaches you everything. And by the way, hey, I yeah. stole a bunch of defensive position player throwing program stuff by watching what pitching coaches were doing on the opposing team with their pitchers for their Without pitchers question. warm up. And, and, and if you look, if I'm being honest, the end of that season, I, I was lucky to have a job. I didn't deserve a job, right? And and, uh, and, and so I think getting to that point where you, you got to self-evaluate. And I, I think the other thing that I'm very fortunate is my wife. We've talked about her in the beginning, but – my wife is, is, she's a Long Island girl, right? And she's not scared to, to keep you humble. Um, and she'll tell you. Uh, and, uh, and I've been fortunate that, uh, that she's told me a couple of times to, to kind of open my eyes. And again, it's, it, you, don't, you don't love receiving it in the moment, but you know she's right. That's a be careful what you wish for thing. Like, be, you know, everybody thinks they want this job or that job, but be careful what you wish for. Because if you get it, then you got to go do that job and, and do it well. Like, be careful what you wish for. No question. No hey, with, question. with your family now, do you have any morning or evening routines that you like, your go-tos? I know you work out a little bit, but do you have any routines that you like, your go-tos? Yeah, so I like it. You know, my routine's the same every day pretty much during the week. You know, I'm I'm fortunate that uh, I get to bring my two oldest to school every day. I mean, I, I do that every day. So so they got to be out of the house. A little bit earlier than I remember going to school, 6.50, we're out the house and and uh, I bring them to school. It's a 10-minute ride, not even, maybe eight-minute ride, but but those eight minutes I cherish. I mean, we have some great conversations. Today, we were learning about feel, and, and my my middle daughter was reminding me how I didn't have feel in a, in a situation. <laughs> so 
Uh, we'd have some good conversation. My 17 year old daughter reminds me of that a lot. (laughs) And then, uh, and then I come to school and I typically get get a chance to work out. I'm a, I'm a cardio guy in the morning and then I try and, you know, get some lifting in at some point during the day. So get a chance to run and kind of, that, that's my way of organizing my day. Um, you know, typically I'll listen to something like this, a podcast or, or maybe some music on a given day, um, finish my run. I come over to the office and, 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 and my goal is, is, is we chart um, so many things throughout the day. My goal is that when our kids walk into our building every day, which our first kids will walk in about noon, is that everything is posted um, and on our TVs throughout the throughout the uh, throughout the building. We we have a, a slideshow that we we do after every win. We put a photo up of every win, so to make sure those things are posted and ready to go, so that when our kids walk in the building, they see them every day. Um, what are you valuing out of the stats that you're getting? I mean, you guys get a wealth of information. What are you valuing to to show to your guys? Um, so I'm very careful with what I show them, but. But simply, I mean, a lot of the things that a lot of people value, we value quality at bats at a, at a, at a very high level. Um, you know, we put up standings, right? I, I put our team averager in green if you're above the team averager in red if you're not, right? Like, I want you to know exactly where you stand. Um, you know, and then, and, and then, like I told you, we really value two strikes and how you hit with two strikes. Um, we really value the strike zone, right? So so anything like chase chase percentage or or even more than that, I just try and show them on video. Like, I think one of the things that, that you can do that to kind of give yourself a little leg up is, is, is you can take an analytic and, and, and you can couple it with video, right? And tell a story with I'm it. I'm a visual learner. Tell, tell a most story of our with guys it. are visual learners, right? And, you know, you can sit there and talk to them about chase percentage, or you can show them when they have success, when they swing, and when they don't. What are your guys' averages when you put the ball in play with two strikes? What's your, bat- what's your team batting average? Uh, I couldn't tell you today. I should, was just going through our stats. I got them over here, but I couldn't tell you what it is today. It's like 350 but it's in the big leagues. Yeah, it's north of three, 300, right? It's like 350 it's, in the big leagues with two strikes. And that's the best yep. defenders in the world. Yep, yep. So, and, and look, man, like crazy stuff happens, right, all the time. You'll see it. I mean, we got the little leadoff hitter, Tommy Hawk, and I watched him with two strikes the other day. Hit a ball off the plate, landed on the other side of the mound. You know, it was like it, it couldn't have been but a 48-mile-an-hour exit velocity, right? And he's on first base. And Game when he's on you. first base, it could be a triple. So, um, you know, I so we try. We just I, again, if I can couple the the analytic with the video um, and show you, I think we have a lot more success in understanding. What are some final thoughts? And by the way, I appreciate you coming on on a Monday. I know you had a long weekend. You had back to back long weekends with with eight games and and two weekends. But I appreciate you coming on. What are some final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, look, baseball season's here. It's um, we do this for a lot. We we spend a lot of time. Everybody sees the ten percent of the games, right? They, they don't see the ninety percent of what's done behind the scenes to make games happen. Um, I'm blessed. I mean, I'm blessed. I get to to do for a living. I get to show up every day at a ridiculous facility, at a, at a, at an institution that values things that I value with players that, that I've been fortunate enough to interact with and, and recruit and, and get to coach every single day. Um, so, so, so my final thought is don't ever lose sight of that. Don't, don't ever lose the appreciation for that. Right. And, and coaches, you know, you see it in all sports and college athletics, you know, we're making more and more money. Right. And with that comes expectation and with expectation, sometimes they're not met. And a lot of great coaches will be out of the game this year. Right. Or, or we'll, we'll lose their job. So I try to never lose that perspective of, of, you know, 
getting just get a little bit better every day and that's all you can control help your kids get a little bit better every day and that's all you can control so i encourage everybody that listens or everybody that 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 is in the game to to not lose that perspective and 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 uh try and help kids get better every day because this is about the kids thanks bill i always love seeing you and love talking to you so thank you my friend appreciate you likewise ryan i appreciate being here and and uh one week or two weeks in, got got a long way to go. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Keep going. One, one foot yep. in front of the other. Sounds good. <laughs> See ya. This is my favorite time of the year with college baseball back going again. Always nice to be back at the ballpark. Growing up around the college game since 1979, I have fond memories of being at a baseball field. Thanks again to Coach Salona for joining me. An extremely busy time for him and the Wake Forest program. Good luck to the Demon Deacons the rest of the way out. Thanks again to Jim Richardson, John Litchfield, Zach Hale, and Matt West in the ABCA office for all their help on the podcast. Feel free to reach out to me via email, rbrownlee at abca.org, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at coachb underscore abca, or direct message me via the MyABCA app. This is Ryan Brownlee signing off for the American Baseball Coaches Association. Thanks, and leave it better for those behind you. Set me free